This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. My name's Chris Miller. My name is Paul Anderson. My name is Mark Boyd. Hello, my name is Derek Combs and I listen to the Blue Army Podcast. My name is Maddie Robson and you're listening to the Blue Army Podcast. No, I tell you what, I haven't seen. No, I haven't seen that we've got uh, any any pictures of Barbara or anything. I think we've managed to fly under the yeah, radar. it's because we, it's because we um, were down the other end, the second half. So like, uh, you know, we were at the end that we were defending, and Barbara always goes down the end that we were attacking. Oh, makes sense then. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so we managed to skip that a little bit. So like, you know, <laughs> we don't we don't have to worry about too many embarrassing photos and then what was in the group chat. But yeah, obviously, um, this just a little bit of the preamble. We missed last week because of everything that's going on and everything that continues to go on even as we speak. Uh, so we've got a little bit to catch up on. Obviously, nothing really in terms of football. But there's been like an injury update. Sam Fishburne's been swimming around as well. So obviously, we'll let people know what Sam Fishburne's <laughs> been up to and where he is now um but yeah i mean we, we probably probably just dive into things i reckon uh, i'm just going to double check what episode number we're on because uh, like i said we missed an episode last week so i'm kind of a little bit all up in the air uh, i guess 88 it's 84 84 yeah 84 god we're gonna have to get that episode 100 live show organized soon like yeah, i'm gonna have to start putting them wheels into motion that'll probably sync up around christmas time so that'd be good easy christmas present for anybody who can come to the uh, blue army podcast on just show that'll be easy <laughs> but anyways we're on episode 84 and uh, i'll kick things off man i'll kick things off Oh, Reed Maras, how's it gone? And welcome back to the Blue Army Podcast. You've definitely already heard it's obviously episode 84. And I am absolutely buzzing to be joined by the two men I call the Cumbrian Brain Trust. That's right. I'm talking about Liam Denwood and Will 
Friends. Welcome back, lads. Been a week off. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Been <laughs> a week off. Some things have gone down over this past week, though. Something, uh, obviously, we'll get on to the Callum Guy goal and all of those things. <laughs> I've, already sure to, uh, Blue, I've, I've already listened to Blue Army TV, so <laughs> it's already been mentioned. I know that. All right. Okay. Okay. I'm going to look forward to watching Blue Army TV later, then. <laughs> I'm doing the flip reverse of you. I'm doing the flip reverse of you. We're already laughing and joking, lads, but really, you know, we normally wait to have a laugh and a joke because we kick things off around here <laughs> with a bit of a tradition. <laughs> so that can only mean it's time for one thing and one thing only. It's time for the Blue Army podcast joke of the week. Is he having a laugh? I think he's trying to. It's the it's Blue, the Army, Blue podcast Army podcast joke, joke. of the joke week. Here we go. Right, the best jokes. I, I think that I've been getting the best jokes so far been animal related. So I really hope this works, man. I really hope this works. It works better than the last one. The last one was an absolute bomber, wasn't it? From what I remember. Right, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> what happened to the frog's car? Do you want to answer this, Liam? <laughs> what happened to the frog's car? Wow, yeah. <laughs> it got towed away. All right. <laughs> <laughs> kind of like, I felt like you didn't even need to add the away bit there. No, it got I got towed, it. I got yeah. it. It got towed. It got towed. That would have been good enough. I mean, that, that, that was that bad. But definitely, you know, a step up from last week. And we'll we'll move on from that, man. We'll move on from that swiftly if we can. Uh, but we'll dive into the chunky part of the Lone Watch, um, which is obviously what Sam Fishburne's been getting up to this week. The young man has moved on to his third loan spell of his very short career so far he was recalled from his loan spell with Blythe Spartans and uh, in the press and to manager Paul Simpson he's kind of held his hands up and gone I just wasn't at the sort of level the coaching staff wanted to me, me to be at Blythe maybe I wasn't quite fit enough maybe I wasn't quite at that level at least in the opinion and I wasn't training hard enough he's, he's admitted to all of this himself and uh, he's not surprised necessarily that he's been recalled back after the, not getting into the first team because what he really wants to be doing is playing and this is only going to make his attitude worse if he stays there and continues not to play and um, he came back he was a part of a challenge cup match he was on the bench for that and then he played a reserve team game against Fleetwoods Towns reserves he scored two goals in that reserve game and now he's been shipped off back on loan to Morpeth Town which I believe he's gone from the seventh tier to the eighth tier of non-league football now. I had a little look to try and sort of make sure the way that the leagues are going. I mean, it's probably the right move, isn't it? This is probably going to hopefully guarantee him extra minutes on the pitch to step down. But really, when, you, when you're talking about seventh and eighth tiers, it, you know, there's not that much that really matters. It matters about just getting your minutes in, don't you think, at that level, Liam? Yeah, uh, I've, I, I'd, I've kind of lost a little bit of hope for... Sam Fishburn, you know, I think if, if he can't get into that sort of seventh tier team, he's probably not going to get into our fourth division team. So if he there, like he did at Lancaster and scores about 18 goals in about five games or something daft like that, you know, then you give him the chance to come back. But I don't know, I just I just don't see Sam Fishburn having the career everyone thought he was going to about two years ago when he was breaking into the Carlisle first team, which seems a bit harsh, but just get him the minutes and see what see what level he can. I mean, on him. 
yeah, things things move really quickly in football. It does seem like a smart move. It's something we've discussed here on the podcast it's about getting him a recall and maybe getting him somewhere else where he can play a bit more football. Wills, is this potentially last chance saloon for Sam Fishburne's Carla United career? Um, I mean, I was a bit disappointed with the step down in level because I think we were saying when he went to Blythe Spartans that we felt that after after you know what happened at Lancaster City, that you know we really wanted to get someone kind of conference conference north for him. Um, he's gone to the well Northern Premier League. Um, Blythe Spartans were in conference north, were they? Um, I think Blythe Spartans are Conference North National, which is just below Conference North. Uh, okay. And then it's con- and then it's <laughs> Conference North Premier, which is where Morpeth is now. Yeah. Somehow National comes above Premier, which is weird when we're looking at the top <laughs> of the pyramid. Yeah, Morpeth are in the Northern Premier, which is says it's step three. So is that the one below Conference North? I don't know. So they're below. So yeah. So anyway, it's gone down a level. I was a bit disappointed. Um, he's still young, so there's kind of always the chance that he'll kind of step back up again. Um, I kind of like with what Liam said that it it does feel like it does feel like his chances of breaking through are kind of like starting to dwindle. Maybe just because he had such a good time at Lancaster City, um, because he was a high scorer before then as well when he was in our youth team, maybe we're kind of expecting a bit too much from him. I don't know. But, you know, we'll we'll definitely keep an eye on him where he is now and hope that it can kind of like, you know, resurrect his development. He's still a developing player, isn't he? So I guess, you know, there will be setbacks and hopefully this is just a setback for him. Yeah, I mean, we'll always keep an eye on him. We'll always keep an eye on him. That's why we started doing the loan watch. People like to know what these young lads are getting up to. And, uh, I mean, as far as him playing, he did make his debut for Morpeth on the weekend. Uh, Morpeth won uh, a quite unlikely victory against uh, high-flying Ashton United. Ashton United were in second at the start of the afternoon. Fell down to third, I believe, after losing 3-1 to Morpeth. So, I mean... He's got to, uh, we all think he's probably going to continue to go on and play games. Let's plough through the rest of the uh, the loan report. Max Gillespie played the full match once again for Annan, so things seem to be going better and better for him. He was a part of a two-all draw against East Fife, and uh, unfortunately, when I was looking up Lewis Bell's information, I could get the result, but I couldn't necessarily get the starting lineups this time, as it was the Scottish Cup sort of first qualifying round kind mm. of weekend, that it doesn't maybe receive as much coverage as the of the Lowland League does, unfortunately. But I will assume that he did play because he has been playing week in, week out for Gretna. And they won. They finally won a game. Uh, the, I think it's the first time I've, I've reported on, on, on the Gretna 08 team winning a game. They beat Edinburgh University by three goals to one. Um, I mean, just to try and stir a bit on the pot, lads, just to put a bit of meat on the bones. Obviously, I quite enjoyed these lone watch uh, segments of the podcast. I quite get to, like to get to know what the lads are getting up to week in, week out, and how they're getting on. Is there anybody that you think 
currently in the Carlisle United squad that might actually benefit going on loan until, say, January. Wills, what do you think? Would you, could you, I've put you on the spot again, so I'm going to ramble a little bit more to give you a few more seconds to think about it. But now, my friend, it's your turn <laughs> to answer the question. Um, I mean, just in uh, someone like Nick Ballardo, maybe. Um, He's probably going to get that thing that Sam Fishburne got as well, to be fair, and like Taylor Charters has had, where where you step up to the first team and initially you're given chances in the first team. You know, you maybe go on the bench a couple of times and you might get on the pitch. Um, then the club will look out for the loan for you. So... So following that pattern, I can I can probably see him going out on loan. Um, it seems you know he's well rated, so hopefully we can get a you know conference conference North club for him. Yeah, yeah, um, I think like we might have to get one of those English football league trophy games or something, just so we've got some video footage for these teams to sort of have a good look at, and he has a good game at a certain level of football, I'd say. Um, Otherwise, he might end up going to Gretna 08. <laughs> <laughs> Did you add anything else there, Will? Did you? Um, no, um, but you know, when you talk, because we've talked about the standard of teams that we send players on loan to, I think we are kind of like at a disadvantage compared to other teams in the league in that, in that there aren't that many teams around because we kind of talked about the fact that they like to send players locally because they can still do some of their training with Carlisle especially if they're going to a part-time team and also because for the players travel because you know they have to then travel to you know even like Morpeth Town is quite a way away for a young lad who's living in Cumbria to have to travel to. and you kind of like look at teams like Mansfield or Stockport and it's like all the teams that they've got around them that they can send players out on loan to. So it, it, the, the kind of loan system, it doesn't really seem to work as well for us, maybe. as yeah. so. Liam, is there anyone that you'd nominate to maybe get some more minutes? Um, just the two young keepers, I think, yeah, Breeze and Simons. And, and, and they've, always, they've always spoke about sending them out on loan. It just never seems to happen. So if you can find a lower league team for them to, yeah, spot on. They'd, they'd be my two. Yeah, would it be enough for you to say, like, if they went down to a, a seven or an eight, that they were literally just there to be the number two and challenging for the number one? Or would you, you know, is it worth them going out on loan unless they're going to be guaranteed that football? Uh, I, th- I think second choice is maybe fine. And I think it's a completely different story when you're talking about outfield players and when you're talking about keepers. Because I think at any level, getting them experience in men's football is kind of equivalent wherever you are because you know the keeper's job it's very similar in whatever league you're in so it'd be it'd be interesting to see what what them two could could do at lower league level and if if they're playing second choice let them show their quality to break into the first team you know i I don't i I don't like when people when people go and they say you're getting sent out on loan to be second choice nobody plays for any team to be second choice you know every single player is challenged to get into that starting eleven. It's just whatever level you want to send them down to. So I think send them wherever they want. If they if originally this their second choice, that's fine. Just let them try and work their way into the first team. Yeah, yeah. I think Scott Carson's all right being like third choice on twenty five. Right, maybe, maybe, maybe. You know, maybe. <laughs> 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 Not 
think 39-year-old Scott Carson's that arsed about playing another game of football. Hey, to yeah, be he played in the Premier League last season, didn't he? He played against you're not Newcastle. Wrong. You're not Penalty wrong. save and everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're quite right. You're quite right. I mean, I suppose like the person that kind of jumps to my mind, and don't get me wrong, obviously, we've still got a lot of injury worries at the moment. And maybe I'll be looking sort of to have that second half season loan set up for this this particular person. Because then we'd have, I'm probably going to give it away. Then we'd have uh, like uh, senior coming back from injury and we'd have uh, like Barkley back as well. So maybe Ellis could really do with playing some week in, week out football. I think Taylor Chart is at Gateshead. That was really good loan for him. Gateshead getting promoted, now being a part of the conference. I think that would be a good level for Ellis to be playing week in, week out from sort of January onwards if his opportunities are a little bit limited at Carlisle United. He's, he seems to be the golden the golden youth boy at the moment, but unless someone's going to get injured, I don't think he's going to get a chance. And I also think that there's, there's potential that Simo's probably going to start playing that Idahoan ahead of him. Like, we've got enough coverage and I feel like it's more valuable in the long term for Jack to go out there and play some first-team football week in, week out. So that's... I I wouldn't want to lose him as an option, but I don't think we're going to... This season, it's going to, you know the balance between what we can potentially get if he gets the match experience and what he's going to gain getting on the on the bench here. Looking at next season and mounting a real push for next season and having him there as a real option for the first team next season, not fifth choice, not sixth choice, you know. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd probably nominate Jack to go somewhere sort of competitive and, and I'd hope that he could get a conference. I feel like now's the time to maybe cash in on those chips because he has had recent first-team football. So there is recent, you know, and also the fact that he could play at right-back will interest a number of teams as well because Mm. it's one of those positions where, like we did last season, we didn't have it covered properly. And that's why we ended up having to bring in Mella and Senior to cover those positions during long injury periods for certain full-backs at certain times of the season. So... Yeah, I think yeah, I think Jack Jack's the one that I've seen to settle on. Taylor Chart is also big case for him, um, and also a little bit around the same lines is it, it maybe Hayden if you could get like a League Two sort of club, and I feel like that maybe help the wage budget, and we could maybe bring someone else in. But I haven't thought about that hard enough. It literally just came into my brain there and then. Moving on to the injury news. Jamie Devitt's injury isn't as bad as first. Fought. Uh, fortunately, he went down and there was an initial assumption that it was going to be a five-month injury that he'd be signed Lam for. And now the scans have returned. It's only supposed to be around the nine weeks period. So about two and a half months, two months, that kind of period. So, I mean, it's still a long-term injury, but we are looking at sort of somebody coming back into the squad around that Christmas, uh, just after that Christmas period, going into the new year kind of time. And that's always a time where you need players to be stepping up. Uh, In terms of other injury updates, there hasn't really been too many. I'll give you the sort of uh, running order of where you might expect players to be Coming back, Ben Barkley is still between four and five weeks. Same for Toby Shaw Silver. Joel Senior has now been given almost an open window, like three to two months. You know, like it's a big, it's a big sort of time period. You know, they don't want to rush him back. They want to make sure he's got that full fitness. So we might have to be patient when it comes to Joel Senior. Josh Dixon is still around to three to four months, unfortunately. And obviously, we all know Brennan Dickinson is pretty much done for the season as far as any other news. Yeah, that news about Jamie Devitt coming back from injury. Liam, 
you know, it's, it's it's a positive sign. It's not as bad as we first feared, and and hopefully he's going to be able to come back and hit the ground running. Yeah, I just hope it's not one of those ones that he'll come back and then go out for another couple of weeks. And you know, it's one of them recurring injuries which he's suffered with so much in his uh, in his career. I just hope it isn't one of those. You know, when, when I when I saw that he was injured, I thought, well, that's him done. I actually thought they'd probably release him. Because that that was one of the big things with him signing, wasn't it? That he would be would be able to stay fit. So I was I was really concerned when he, when he was injured. I'm 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 very glad that it's not as as bad as what people thought it was originally. I mean, I feel like it's part of the thing. It's the kind of player he is. He's going to give you 110 percent every time he's on the pitch. He's going to throw his body around, and when you do that, and you've had as many knocks as he's had, and you know you are the age that he is in football, you you are going to get injured again. So I feel like it's it's almost unfair to ask Jamie Devitt to stay fit because if if you're asking him that really, you're not going to get the best out of him as a player when he is fit. Will does that make any sense? Is that a bit silly? Um. Yeah, I mean, you get players who've had trouble with fitness in the past and you treat them differently. Um, remember when we had Troy Archibald Henville and he'd had real bad issues with fitness. And, um, I mean, in, in in his case, we didn't play him on Tuesday night games. Um, they get treated differently in training as well because um, usually they're older players who are a bit more experienced as well. So they maybe feel don't need to push them as hard in training. Um, it was in training, though, that Devitt pulled up. So I don't know whether he just, you know, uh, goes full sort of hell for lead 100% in training uh, because, you know, maybe he's the sort of player that, can't be told to tone it down. I don't know, um, but yeah, he, he did pick up his knocking training, so maybe that's an issue. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I'm saying though. It's like you can't ask a player like Jamie Devitt to turn it down a bit. Like he's not like when you sign him to a contract, you can almost kind of have to accept the fact that he's going to give you 110. percent And he, if you ask him to turn it down, he won't turn it down. You know, it's a, it's just a bit of a controversial balance yeah. there, if you ask me. But we'll move on. So the next little bit of uh, news, guys, that's the end of the injury news. X-Blues and other news is what I've decided to mm. call it this week. It's a, it's a changing title, this, this sort of segment. <laughs> uh, Thomas Hoyley has made a few headlines during the week. First, at Mansfield, he proved that ladders were absolutely <laughs> unnecessary when it came to fixing the net and provided an absolute viral moment fixing his own nets at Mansfield. That was a lot of fun to see. And then later on in the week, it was the battle of the Giants as the tallest goalkeeper in professional football took on the tallest striker in professional football on the weekend. Now, did you think, Will, did you think when we signed Thomas Hoyley that he would attract so many headlines? He seems to be in the news most weeks with something to do with his height or on some kind of YouTube channel. He, he, He attracts a lot of attention, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, you know, when you've got the the tallest player in sort of like in domestic football, then that's going to kind of attract attention. And, you know, it, it depending on the nature of the player, it's potentially, you know, it's, it's quite good for memes and stuff. Um, and Holy does seem to kind of like fully embrace that. I think he enjoys, enjoys those moments. And, you know, like, I mean, another keeper 
could probably have just stood to one side and let the match officials get the ladder out and watch them. And like, you know, because they're the ones whose job it is to fix the net. So, you know, someone else could probably just stood aside and let that happen. But he's like, no, I'm going to... I think, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have he, a little moment here. I think he very much knew what he was doing. I think he very much knew where the yeah. cameras were on. Yeah, yeah. He, there was a reason he didn't step out the way. Like, he knew he was creating some kind of memories. Yeah. Liam, I mean, do you... When you, at Brunton Park this weekend, to be honest, not until one of our friends turned around and said, "Look at the size of him," I kind of, I kind of don't notice his height on the pitch as much. He's kind of just Thomas, you know what I mean? Thomas the goalkeeper. He's a bit tall, but he's just Thomas the goalkeeper. Do you notice it? <laughs> I think you notice it less because he's a keeper and they're meant to be sort of big, anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because like our defenders aren't particularly short, so like you know you're comparing him. I mean, I know when you said about. Um, when he stands next to Paul Huntington and you think Huntington's not a, you know, Huntington's a tall fella mm. and Holy Towers over him. But, you know, other than that, you can't, you know, you've kind of got Huntington and Mellish and they, because they're fairly tall themselves, they kind of make Holy look not ridiculously tall. Uh, we were saying like, you know, I want to see Sonny Hilton standing next to him, but you never really get that chance because <laughs> Hilton's up front. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. I don't think Hilton's going to let you have that chance either. To be honest, yeah. <laughs> Wimbledon, Wimbledon did have a pretty tiny forward. Yeah, the number ten. Yeah, there was a moment yeah. in the first half, wasn't there, when there was a ball through into the box, and the number ten followed it in, and Holy came in and gathered it at the number ten's feet, and the number ten might have made a little bit of contact, and then Holy stood up, and that argument was very quickly over with. It's just like almost comical the way that that went down. Um, yeah, I mean, he does attract a lot of attention. I I like his personality around the club, mate. I really do. I really do. He's is our is our friendly giant, isn't he? He's the Cumbrian BFG. We like him round here. We like him round here. Um, in other ex Blues news, after being a part of the radio commentary team for the Mansfield game, Keith Curl has signed on a dotted line to become the Monkey Hangers manager. That's right. He'll be managing Hartlepool. Well, until until it starts going pear shaped for him, basically. Does this does this do you agree, uh, uh, Keith Curl, the opportunity to sort of go over to Hartlepool when they're supposed to be rivals? Does that make it a little bit more interesting for you uh, to go and watch that game, Liam? What are you saying about Keith Curl signing with Hartlepool United? Good one for Hartlepool. Does it matter? Uh, I, I I don't like that he's going to Hartlepool because I am one that fully embraces the rivalry. But I also think I can't figure out whether Keith Curl's an absolutely brilliant manager or really, really shit. Like, I, 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 my brain can't figure out what he is because he goes to clubs, like, and he, when it goes well, it, it goes really well. Really poor, like what you saw Oldham. But yeah, I, I, I think he's an unstable manager. I think he can have bits of brilliance, but in a club in turmoil like Hartlepool is absolutely the wrong thing for them. And it was he showed that at Oldham as well. In clubs in turmoil, he does not suit them whatsoever. He, he likes to have a bit of control, like when he was at Carlisle. That's that's where he flourishes. And I think going to Hartlepool, I think he's going to make some stupid comments and interviews. And I think he'll be gone by the end of the season. I don't think it'll go well at all. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to go well. Will does this add any more spice to you to the rivalry? Are you are you looking forward to a potential curl return? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Keith Curl still liked here, even though there is the rivalry with Hartlepool. It's not that big a rivalry either. Um, I, whether the Hartlepool fans are thinking of that time with Billy Painter, 
You remember when Painter scored the penalty for Hartlepool and then ran over and celebrated in front of Keith Curl and yeah. then they lost the game anyway. Yeah. And that because that was Carlisle Hartlepool as well. It was one of it was one of those things that kind of like helped, you know, helps get a rivalry that's been pretty mild. Kind of like, you know, one of those moments that will kind of like ramp things up a bit and it involved Keith Curl. So, you know, whether that kind of, I mean, I don't think the Hartlepool fans will really care that much, especially if he st- if it gets them out of trouble. Um, I, I kind of like, you know, you look at the Hartlepool owners, um, Raj Singh, um, and he seems like the sort of person who wants to be in control. So, you know, maybe he's the, you know, maybe he's the wrong owner for Keith Curl to do well under. Um, I mean, he had problems at Oldham, which was, you know, pretty much 100% the Oldham owner's fault. Yeah, but, anyone um, would have trouble at Oldham. Yeah. Pep Guardiola wouldn't do great yeah. at Oldham. So, like, I think is, I think is the is 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 the manager to get them out of the situation he's in. But where you, you know, whether the Hartlepool owner is the right kind of owner, you know, I wouldn't entirely be surprised if, like Liam says. He um, says something in the in the press and then gets sacked or something like that. Just kind of falls out with the owner, but you know if 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 Hartlepool kind of give him the level of control that he wants, I think he's got he's got a good reputation for getting teams out of trouble. Apart from that issue with Oldham, and he does tend to kind of like improve teams slowly, and he has a reputation for like not really getting teams up. I mean, got Northampton up, but before then he had a reputation for not really getting teams up. But I'm sure, you know, if if he does like he did with us, keeps him up, and then next season they're looking at a kind of like upper mid-table finish, you know, then I I think Hartlepool fans would probably be delighted with that after the couple of seasons they've had to just kind of not have to worry about relegation. And I I think he's a good manager for getting teams that sort of stability. Yeah, I mean, I just don't, I, for some reason, I just I just, I just, just don't think he's the right man for that job. I think, like, what Hartlepool might need is is like just some fresher ideas. And I feel like Curl's been around too long. The players will get on the phone to the friends and they'll learn what Curl's like. And every club Curl goes to figures him out faster and faster each time, as it were. And, you know, the, the locker room just seems to be to turn on him just easier and easier each time. And it is, it is what happens with these managers once they get a reputation with certain players that know other certain players. Like, when they even walk through the dressing room, regardless of the fact that you've worked with them before, if your mate who's playing at, you know, such and such a place says he's a bit of a nightmare to work with, you're already you know, thinking that he's a bit of a nightmare to work with and you won't always give him the same shake of the tail that you would if there was some new blood coming yeah. in, potentially. He's made the right move in bringing the... that Anthony Sweeney back in, in yeah. the backroom staff. I think that's a smart decision. Sweeney's, like, one of the longest-serving players of all time in a Hartlepool shirt, and, like, that'll be a popular decision with the fans, but um, I, do, I just, yeah, I just... I don't, I don't think so. Like deep down, I just don't think it's the right move. Do you want to say something then, Will? Sorry. Yeah, I think like some players kind of really like that though, because like when Curl came into Carlisle, there's some players that he just doesn't get on with, like Alex Marrow and Billy Painter. But I think we would agree that those players were part of the problem and needed to be binned off. Mm-hmm. So you know, if he comes in and just puts his foot down with players that he doesn't think are putting the effort in, or players that he thinks are acting like they're worth, you know, that they deserve more or something like that, sometimes that's a part of the issue the club has got 
like a bit of a toxic dressing room. Um, I'm hearing Hartlepool fans saying that they think that you know, there's too many players there just not trying at the moment. And a curl comes in and he might get some of those trying. And if he ends up falling out with the ones that don't try and, you know, and, and you end up with a situation like we had with Billy Painter and Gary Dicker, then it's it's probably all stuff that Hartlepool fans feel needs to happen right now. So, and at the same time, there I think they... I think he probably can get them to survive just because of that kind of like dig deep attitude that he has and because he'll bin off anyone to have a bit of an attitude problem. So, Yeah, I mean, potentially he could steady the ship. Potentially he could. He's not the first replacement of the season. He's the second replacement manager of the season and somebody else, Colchester United, are also now officially looking for a replacement manager. They've sacked Wayne Brown. Yeah, I mean, Things... Rochdale went even earlier. Yeah, that was the first one. Um, I mean, obviously, is this too soon? Like, how There's three managers that have been sacked already. You've got to consider a team like Rochdale, Hartlepool, Colchester. These were never supposed to be high-flying teams anyway. Like, really? Like, do you think it's a bit too brutal at this level? Don't you think managers should maybe get up to 15 games and really... Because there's bit, there's not that many points between the bottom teams, really. Maybe Rochdale have a case, but I mean, I'd say it's a bit early to let these managers go, wouldn't you say, Wills? Um, well, I mean, I know a few Hartlepool fans and I don't know any Hartlepool fans who think that, that the club sacked Hartley too soon. Um, they were kind of saying they could see they could see after just the first game that there were problems, um, and that's partly the transfer policy, which is, you know, something that their owner takes a lot of blame for, which was they were just trying to get players on the cheap from Scotland and appointed Hartley because I thought that Hartley knows Scottish, you know, he'll know where they can get a load of bargains. So the yeah, so I mean the, you know, the way they assembled their squad. Um, they, I think the Hartlepool fans had concerns, and now Hartley's gone. They're pretty much, just, you know, they, they they seem to be fairly convinced that this was the right time to do it. Yeah, uh, I remember, I mean, like when we sacked Kavanagh, it was September, so you know, probably coming up to around the time of the season that we sacked Kavanagh. And if you remember back then, it seemed like that was the right time to do it. We'd had a terrible start of the season. And even after like 10 games or something, you could see that Graham Kavanagh was already out of ideas. Yeah, I guess every, every situation slightly different. Liam, I don't know if you've got a number in your head about how many games that you give a manager, or, or maybe is it how many losses in a row, or like how, how do you gauge it? You know, is, is, is it just purely visual, what's happening on the pitch in front of you? I think you can sometimes feel when it's over. And I think for, for a number of these managers as well, you've got to consider what uh, has happened towards the end of last season as well. Uh, Rochdale, I think, you see, I think it's too soon to sack the managers. But then if you ask the fans of Rochdale, Colchester, Hartlepool, they'll probably disagree with me and they're the ones that their opinions matter the most. Uh, I think maybe Rochdale probably had every right to sack their manager because they were woeful. You know, except against us for some reason. But that, well, that, <laughs> that was, was a new manager. That, that was though. a new manager, wasn't new it? New manager yeah. syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I can't really have too much of an opinion on it because it's not really my opinion that matters. 
in this situation, but I would give I would give a manager more time. Yeah. I gave Stephen Presley bloody long enough, so you know there's a, <laughs> they should give their managers maybe a little bit more time. Yeah, I mean Colchester and Rochdale are two teams that have been on like really just kind of really long term declines. Um, I mean I kind of like us, I suppose, but even kind of even more terminal in that they're now just getting attendances of about 2,000 at home, both those teams, and they just seem to be like shoe-ins for the relegation battle, so like for the past few seasons. Um, So they're clubs where they just seem to be making a like one bad decision after another after another, and you know, given that you know, you might wonder whether are oh, they just making another bad decision here? Uh, we don't know who Colchester are going to appoint, but you know, are they? You know, are the owners of these clubs just clueless? And you know, is there an argument that um, like Wayne Brown, the Colchester? should have stayed because they're only going to go and make it bigger mistake but now they've got somebody who doesn't have the transfer window who hasn't built the squad so I mean, I think Colchester necessarily started the season terribly they're like fourth bottom yeah or something. yeah they're so not even in the relegations they're not they? the absolute yeah I mean Gillingham are, you know Gillingham have still got their manager so they might be next <laughs> I mean, the way things are going, yeah, you'd say so, you'd say so. But um, obviously, we all know who's going to get linked with the job, uh, Mr. Chris Beach. So uh, we'll look forward <laughs> to seeing the odds on him uh, when those eventually do come out. In other Blues news, FA Cup action at the weekend with two ex-Blues scoring hat-tricks. First, Mark Beck for Darlington. He just signed for them over the summer. And Lewis Alessandra scored a hat-trick for South Shields. More scoring Cumbrians also include Jared Branthwaite, who scored his first ever goal for PSV. So that's his first goal on the continent, as it were, as what people have been calling it. He's only going to add more to his stock by doing that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, that's that's the other news. That's all the news, lads. It's nice to see people scoring goals. Um, but... Carlisle played midweek against Mansfield and we don't normally cover midweek games anyway. Obviously, we spoke about Thomas Hoyley and what happened there, but it would go against tradition, gentlemen, if we didn't give any man of the matches for the one, uh, sorry, for the nil-nil draw between Carlisle, United and Mansfield. Obviously, the most talked about moments of the match being that net being fixed that we've already spoken about. Uh, Me and Will, we watched the game together. We kind of had a little bit of a crack about who we thought might be potentially a man of the match but we couldn't really flesh out enough meat on the bones to sort of I mean at least I couldn't I'm still torn but Will have you have you been able to give a man of the match for the uh, nil nil draw with Mansfield yeah I mean the match itself has now kind of like faded into obscurity in my memory mm-hmm. but I do remember saying to you after the match that I thought I would give the man of the match award to Finn back yeah so I can't really elaborate on that other than I must have thought he'd had a good match. I remember he did attack a bit and had a chance, was one of the players that, that could have maybe scored. And I, I remember he was one, obviously, um, it was a fairly poor quality match and no one really stood out. Um, and I did think at one point of giving it to Holy sing- simply for one single save that he made. <laughs> and then we kind of like discussed that um, uh, 
blunder he made, but you know, but was then but saved. Offside. And then he wasn't offside either, so kind no. of got away with that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of like kept Holy from potentially getting it for simply for making a save. And we have Keith Curl as well on that match as well. Yeah, Keith Curl did a bit of match commentary. There was, yeah, there was, he, there was... I remember him commenting on the save, saying he got down, he got down quickly for a big man. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, so Finn back. <laughs> Finn back, Finn back. Liam, have you got a man of the match? Do you remember much from the Mansfield game? Can't say I remember too much from it, but I remember seeing a few like good statistics for Paul Huntington after the match, so give him it. I, c- I cannot yeah. for the life of me remember that match at all. <laughs> but <laughs> Can you remember Thomas Holly repairing the net? I can remember that, and I can remember him <laughs> balls enough to, for them to score that offside goal. That, they're the only two sort of yeah. memories I've got. That's so, it. Yeah, Huntington. Huntington. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Obviously, Patrick had his um, um, uh, matchly sitter that he missed as well. Uh, I think he put it over from six yards. In the, in, Dennis uh, missed a really bad one, actually. Oh, Dennis match. was yeah. awful. Like, and <laughs> Feeney had one as well. Yeah, it, we, we, yeah there was. I. There's a game. We are, yeah, I mean, we are putting together a nice collection of missed sitters so far this season. Oh, God. Imagine that compilation, man. That would be awful to sit I'm sure, through. Like, I saw one uh, Patrick's first one. I uh, can't remember who it was against. Thinking like, "Oh, you won't see a miss as bad as that again this season." And but it seems like we missed. Week. Yeah, and it's different <laughs> players as well. It's not all Patrick. Patrick's had oh, a no, they're all Dennis missing. Has had one now. Feeney had one. Yeah, they're all missing sitters. They're all missing sitters. Um, Probably I'll... show Silver's going to come back and he's just going to start banging him in. He, he's going to come back <laughs> and score all these sitters that everyone's missing. He's going to come in and just start putting them away. <laughs> <laughs> I hope he does. I hope he does. I hope someone starts <laughs> scoring more goals. Like I really do. Um, but obviously, I'll quickly give my man of the match for the Mansfield game. It was also Paul Huntington. Like the, same as Julia, I like, went and looked at the stats and see who impressed via the stats really. And then because I didn't have a great memory of the game itself, and obviously we kept a clean sheet, so I was going to give it to somebody that contributed to the defence in some way. So it was going to be maybe back, but I've, I've gone with Huntington in the end. Right, the official. Match report for Carlisle United's 2-1 victory against Wimbledon. That happened this weekend. Let's go on to it, gentlemen. And as I always do here on the Blue Army podcast, I'll give you the starting lineup for the game. Thomas Hoyley was in nets, back Feeney, Huntington, Mellish and Armour across the back line with Gibson, Moxon and Guy playing a midfield free and Dennis and Patrick playing together up front now obviously there was there was parts of the match where we were a little bit distracted lads um but i was trying my best to watch most of it but really there wasn't a lot of 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 good football in that first half there wasn't a lot of good football against mansfield for the full 90 you could argue in that nil nil draw liam are you starting to get a little bit worried that we're lacking game plans Good question. Um, I, 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 I'm not. I, I'm not worried about it. I think if we, because like you said, the first half wasn't great, but we came in at the second half with a really good game plan. I thought we executed it brilliantly. I thought we were really good in that second half. So I think there is a way of playing football. And you think of the first few games at the start of the season where we played. Crawley was the first game of the season where we absolutely battered them. We won one nil, but we should have won by a lot, lot more. And you think, you think, um. If we score all these sitters, you look at that and you think, 
three nil, two nil, three nil, two nil, something. So we're making the chances. The plan, the plan of getting these chances there, is working. It's just, it's just about scoring the chances. Yeah, Simpson can't put the ball in the back of the net for them. No, you're yeah, quite exactly. right. You're quite right. I mean, talking about uh, missing absolute sitters, Dennis played a beautiful ball into Patrick that managed to bring it down in the six-yard box, but then just couldn't make a connection with a strike. So, arguably, once again, I mean, that was the that was the sitter of the of the first half. But we did score in the first half. We did score in the first half. Well, quickly, Wills, Wills, mm-hmm. did you think that we're in trouble? Because we don't seem to be starting games very well. Do you think, like, you know, we need something to react to that gets us going? Because recently, press comments have also, like, Simo said things like, don't expect the fans to spark things for you, you know, as well. So he's, he is trying to put the attention onto the players on the pitch. And I don't know, like, what's, what, why, why, why is there not, like, you know, it's not going down the wings every time. It's not going through the middle every time. It's not, there doesn't seem to be too many sort of strong ideas. And we don't really seem to be that great at playing kind of freestyle passing football either at the moment. Is it just a case of confidence, you think? Um, yeah, I think, I mean, that would explain um, some of the difficulties in front of goal as well. And when you look at some of those kind of like things where we've just kind of had a good chance and messed it up a bit, it does it does almost kind of look like the players don't have enough belief in themselves. Um John Gibson had a chance in the, I think it was the second half though, where just seemed to kind of like get it in the box and hang on to it a bit too long. And there wasn't that kind of like sharpness of, of right, got the ball, know exactly what to do with it. Um, yeah, um, I, I forgot what your question was, sorry. Oh, no, it's, I'm just saying, is, is, it a case, is it just a case of confidence and the players being able to believe in themselves, gel a bit more, maybe? for Because for, we, we do see like... Maybe that, not like that 100% ball. that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe like 60% that, maybe. And a bit of ring rust still. I don't know what's going on, do you know what I mean? Like There's players like Patrick that are, that are, they feel like they're not, they're not as sharp oh. as they used to be. Oh, we've lost Liam Denwood. Yeah, I mean... You know, sometimes players will just have an off time and it could just be that uh, due to bad fortune, um, several players are having a bit of an off time at the same time. Yay! Hey. <laughs> Liam, Liam's back, Liam's back, you know. You know, you've got to rely on the old dial-up, haven't you, Mary Port, isn't it? Or, <laughs> <laughs> a little oh, bit more advanced than that. But... Well. <laughs> <laughs> Not much by the looks of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, actually, you, you, you know, I kind of thought you might have been doing that on purpose because Will's filled me in a little bit on your Blue Army TV video and obviously the next thing we're going to talk about is that worldie by Callum Guy, who's finally <laughs> up and running on his tally. Let me let me just paint a picture for everybody first. Let me just paint a picture for everybody first. Gibson has the ball at the edge of the area. He finds a lovely little pass through to Guy, who passes out to the fullback, takes it back onto his right foot, onto his left foot, and curls it beautifully from just outside the D of the box. It's, uh, it's his first goal in a Carlisle shirt. And yeah, you know, I feel I feel like I've, I've, we're, we're up to a flyer here. Uh, Liam, why don't you tell everyone what your reaction was when you realised who scored the goal? <laughs> well, I saw him hit the back of the net. Um, and I celebrated. I celebrated. I, I didn't quite realise who it was. I, 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 I thought it was. I thought it was Jack Armour, to be honest with you. 
And then Callum Guy turns around running. And it's it's just the fact that I realised I was standing next to you and Wills. And I thought, <laughs> nah, it was more a thing of, I know what's about to come my way here. So I just, I just put, I put my head in my hands and I thought, oh no. What is it? <laughs> it had to be him. Yeah, you know what? People it's standing around him. us would have been like, Oh, is this, is this lad here uh, actually a Wimbledon fan? <laughs> it's like, uh, he looks devastated. <laughs> For those I mean, listening at home, yeah, I've never, I've never, I've never stood with you two at a game before, right? No. The one time I have done it, once, the one, the one time, <laughs> is also the first time in three years Callum Guy decided to score a goal. <laughs> I, thought, I just thought. <laughs> <laughs> like 96 appearances, man. 96 appearances, first yeah, exactly. goal. Exactly. <laughs> I've been to all of them, and I, just, I, I thought, Christ, it had to be this one, didn't it? <laughs> I'm very glad he scored it, by the way. I am it's very a great glad. Goal. A left yeah, point goal as well. If Callum Guy's listening, uh, <laughs> yeah. we, should, we, should, we should maybe have like a penalty shootout between Liam Denwood and Callum Guy at the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, though, mine would all be on target. <laughs> Are you saying Callum Guys will all be off target? I think he'll have all the power and they'll all go blazing up a bar. And, and mine, mine, mine will have no power whatsoever, but they'll all be on target, you know. Between us, we're a brilliant footballer. <laughs> I told you he's been dialing it in. I told you he's been practicing, even injured himself dialing it in and shooting practice. He's been practicing these. Get used to it. He's found his range. He's found his range. Get used to it. He's gonna go on a I little think run. Someone's just told him that he's not playing rugby and that you're meant to get it on the underside of the crossbar, not you know, <laughs> ten feet over it. <laughs> I mean, Wills, what are your memories of the goal, man? It's a great moment for Callum Guy. Yeah, it's one of those moments where you know, whenever you see a goal scored like this, it always feels like it comes out of nowhere because you know it didn't look like there's it didn't look like there's much threat, and it just suddenly kind of like you see the ball just sailing into the back of the net and yeah, it just kind of like feel, it feels like it's come out of nowhere. I think it kind of was coming. We were the better team and we deserved, we deserved to be one nil up, even though it wasn't a great half of football. Yeah. I mean, it was right on the half time. It was on the 45th minute uh, when, the, when, the, when the goal went in. So Carlisle came out for the second half and apparently, you know, I, I, uh, Started pretty well, but I didn't walk in until the Wimbledon broke through our defence. And uh, it, I'll describe the goal first once again. There's a flick on from a long ball from the goalkeeper that somehow got past Mellish and Feeney. And it was, a, it was a good finish from the striker, but it's a bit disappointing how simple the goal really was. Will's... Is it too easy, Route 1 football? Is it just a classic League 2 goal? Um, That's fine. It's a classic League 2 goal. Not too, uh, much, ab- not too much about it. Liam, are you, are you, are you, are you fuming at Mellish or, or, or Feeney, or is that just one of them that happens? You know, I'm, I'm not fuming at either of those two, because I don't really think either of them two did, uh, did anything too bad. I think it was Huntington. If you watch, watch the replay back, Huntington runs out to try and win a header, doesn't win it. And the man that flicks it on, flicks it into the space where Huntington should have been. I feel like if he has run out of defence and tried to win that and just stayed firm and stuck with his line, stuck with the other two, then I don't think that would have been any kind of chance whatsoever. I think, and look, Huntington's an experienced player and he's absolutely massive. So he's he's got every right to go and challenge for that header. But if he doesn't make it, 
like he had done there, then he's going to look stupid. And I thought it was probably his fault. But at the same time, we're in League Two. It's a new team. We're never going to go through every single game getting a clean sheet every game. You know, just as long as we score more goals than they do, which we did, then we're fine. You're never gonna you're never gonna keep a clean sheet every week. No, I mean after after that though, Carlisle's game plan like continued on. I mean it, it was a bit of a blip that goal really. And when you look at the statistics, Carlisle with 17 shots and Wimbledon with just like seven, I believe, uh, from the top of my head. But it. We, 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 we pushed them for the winner, didn't we, after this? We definitely started going forward more. Patrick seems to be able to, in the second half, find a different role where he was maybe more of an advanced playmaker, uh, coming deep to get the ball and then trying to link play a little bit more. But the difference maker really, and this is why I wanted to describe the first goal to you, somebody that had a hand in the first goal, also had a big hand in the second goal, and it's Gibson. Uh, initially, the ball was passed out to Gibson, and he, he he kind of had a pretty poor touch, and it was taken away from him by the defender. But credit to the man, I want to point out, he won the ball back and then passed it in to the midfield where Feeney was and Patrick, like I've been saying, links up the player really well, finds the head of Armour, I believe, it's a bit blurry there, and uh, and he finds the head of Dennis on the back plus, and it, that, that does actually seem like a really well-worked goal that, that's been worked on, you know, it would be unusual for an attacker to cross the ball into that position of the box, really, unless there was, you know, something set up, some kind of game plan. It's it's quite an impressive goal, wouldn't you say, Liam? Yeah, I think, and it, it was Jack Armour that, that got the the flick on, and I think he's he's the one you need to point out in that situation because eighty first minute, he he can be excused for maybe not running up into the box in that thing and maybe keeping defensive position, but he's ran all the way from the left back spot to get into the box because it was a kind of a well worked attack. He's done really well to even be in that position. It's a lovely flicked on header. And I think Dennis, you know, he couldn't have missed it, could he? Well, you say that, but I've seen it. But he, we've been missing them chances this season. But you, you'd expect him to score at anyone since he didn't open net. But the flick on from Jack Armour, I think, is the big thing here. And him being in that position, he's the one I would give the most credit to in that situation. It's a wonderful ball across by Patrick. But yeah, it, you know, Callum Guy, you get them goals where it's a good individual goal. And then you get the goals like this where it's a good team goal, well worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was a nice goal to watch, wasn't it, Wills? You quite enjoy that one on the replay over and over again, wouldn't you say? Yeah, and I give Amari Patrick a lot of credit for that because um, we've talked already about him not looking that confident in front of goal, but he does still at least look confident taking players on in wide areas and getting the ball into good positions. He's still been doing that well this season. And, you know, I think he deserves a lot of the credit for that goal. But like, again, really good instincts from Dennis to get there onto the back post. It's his sixth league goal of the season. Six out of nine. Sorry about that. Six out of nine for Dennis. He's absolutely storming it for the Cumbrians and continues to be consistent, you know, more than a goal every other game. So, I mean, that's the kind of striker that you really want for a league campaign when you potentially want to build some momentum because it's only a matter of time until other players start scoring around him. <laughs> Callum Guy. And, uh, you know, we can really start pushing forwards. <laughs> he's got one. 
He's got one. <laughs> yeah, so is everyone else apart from Dennis. <laughs> so, you know, it'll be nice to see if just anyone else could. I reckon it'll just take that one more person um, to, get, to go on a goal scoring run for a couple of weeks and then somebody else goes on the goal scoring run for a couple of weeks. If Dennis keeps it going, you know, that's what's going to push us further and further up the table. Some Houdini shit happened with the league table, though, after this crap. We won a game and went from 12th to 13th. It's really strange. Really strange. I don't, I don't exactly know how that, how that happened. We started the day at 12th and we won a game and then... Twelfth, did we? Did, I thought we discussed this, and like when we looked at the league table, it turned out we were thirteenth going into the game. Ah, uh, right, okay. I didn't get the resolve of that conversation, but I can edit all that out. That's no. <laughs> yeah, worries. somebody, somebody <laughs> came up with the idea that we'd won the game and yet somehow gone down in the league. Yeah, okay. So we were kind of like, looking <laughs> <How's into> you? <laughs> I think, I think when we looked into it, we'd see we'd actually just stayed in the same spot. Ah, fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Well, still, still, you know, it's it's a really good victory. It's a really good three points. You know, when you look at the the draw against Mansfield away and the way that they set up, they're a solid side and it's not a great pitch and it's not, you know, the best place to play football. And we're a football, well, we're trying to be a football inside, Mm -hmm. you could argue. And then against Wimbledon, getting the victory, four points out of the last two. I mean, it's not bad, really, in, in terms of form for us at the moment. We seem to have spun things round a little bit, you know, draw against Rochdale and then now we've got a draw against Manfield and then we've pushed on and we've got a victory against Wimbledon. So another way you can see it, obviously, is, you know, we haven't lost a game in three, which our next opponents, they've lost their last three games. But before we go on to talk about our next opponents uh, at the weekend, sorry, obviously we've got a midweek game in the cup, but we, we focus more on the league games. We'll give our man of the matches for this 2-1 victory against AFC Wimbledon. Liam, I went with Wills first on the Mansfield game, so I'll go with you first on this one. Who are you giving your man of the match to for the uh, Wimbledon game? Uh, it's it's going to have to be Callum Guy, isn't it? Like he, <laughs> he was he, even without the goal, I probably still would have given it because I think in the midfield, I think that midfield of Mox on Guy Gibson is absolutely unreal. Like it's really really solid, and you've got everything you want there. You've got offensive. Um, sort of player of guy. You've got your number ten in Gibbs, and you've got like, your number eight box to box player in uh, in Moxon who can do a bit of everything. I think it's such a balanced, good midfield. And Callum Guy showed his worth today, not just with the goal, but the tackles he puts in are absolutely brilliant. You know, and he's been a staple of that midfield as it's transitioned from the old Mellish Riley guy to now Moxon Gibson guy. You know, he's, he's stayed in that midfield for a long time and there's a reason for it. And it's because he's obviously got a lot of quality about him. And he showed that again today. And he, 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 yeah, he had a brilliant game. Nice. No, no, he'd be making his 100th appearance for the club very soon. Uh, Wills, who's your man of the match for the Wimbledon game? Uh, Callum Guy. And we was actually talking with Liam just after the match about this. And I think we kind of both knew that we were both giving it to Callum Guy for pretty much the same reason. And scoring a goal is a big part of that but also recognise that he did play well in midfield and he has kind of grown into that, you know, midfield this season because last season, well, we were saying about how last season he wasn't having the best season after, you know, because we were holding him to how many assists he had the season before. And, uh, you know, when we were discussing who we'd have starting in the season, we were considering the midfielders that we have with, like, 
Moxon, um, potential for Mellish to be used as a midfielder, and Harrison Devitt and Gibson. And so I mean, we're actually considering the guy might actually not be in the starting lineup, but he's you know he has been in the starting lineup and he's kind of started to show his quality. Yeah, two nominations for Callum Guy, and you would have thought I would have gone with Callum Guy as well. But, but we'd um, be wrong. But you'd be unfortunately <laughs> you'd be wrong. Yeah, I went for Jordan Gibson. Like I said, he had a, he had a hand in, in sort of both the goals, and he just seems to be able to do that consistently. Uh, when Carlisle seemed to have weak moments for long periods of time, he seems to be the sort of person that gets us back onto the front foot again and, and can kind of spark something. And and for that, I thank him with my Foxes feature man of the match. <laughs> Um, like we were talking about or alluding to earlier, uh, next weekend's opponents are Newport County and they have lost their last three league games and they sit quite lowly down in number 19th place on a minus 14 goal difference. Now, obviously, we're still at the early stages of the season, but I would say by the time you get to the sort of 9-10 category, the league table does start to shape up a little bit. A little bit, and you can kind of, you know, make somewhat safe guesses about what direction certain teams should or will be heading in. Newport County just just haven't started. Uh, they started kind of okay, and now they've started to sink a little bit. And and obviously, we're going to do the predictions now, and I'll kick things off because I don't think I've kicked anything off yet this episode. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to go uh, with. I mean, we're, we're on the up and up, and they're not necessarily. So I'm going to go with 2-0 to Carlisle on this one. Um, I feel like we should hopefully be able just to outplay them. Um, and I think that's Newport County's problem from, from what I've heard, is that they're trying to be a football inside these days, and they don't really have the players that can play football. So they've gone from that long ball team that they might have been accused of being a really strong long ball team and a playoff hopeful. And now they've changed the way they maybe want to play football and it doesn't seem to have worked out too much for them. So I reckon if they try and play football against us, we're going to be a little bit too good for them and we're going to win 2-0. Wills, what's your prediction for the Newport County game? Um, Newport and another of them groups of fans who are starting to turn on their manager. Um, I've seen like one comment with them saying that if they don't beat us at the weekend, then they think that that's their manager gone. Um, they seem to be in a just not not clicking for them this season. Um, interesting, you point out that they're trying to play football as well because under Mike Flynn, they were always known as a team that just lumped it forward and because their pitch was also a rugby pitch as well. Um, I'm I'm not sure if that's still the case, if they're still, you know, if they're still kind of playing on a ploughed field. But, you know, that <laughs> that always used to be a factor in going down to Newport. But looking at their uh, looking at their record this season, I think we've got to kind of like hopefully beat them. Um, I'm going to go with 1-0 because we just... Don't you know? Don't always look like scoring more than one. <laughs> okay, uh, fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I was hoping we could spark on something like maybe maybe we could get more than one for a change and go on a half I mean, decent. We do sometimes. We obviously <laughs> did, uh, but yeah, it's still still difficult to actually predict us scoring a lot of goals. It'd be, nice, it'd be nice to win two games on the bounce. You know, it'd be nice yeah. to win two games on the bounce either way. Yeah, one nil would be enough. Obviously, <laughs> Liam. <laughs> Liam, what are you saying, mate? I don't rate Newport County whatsoever. I'm going to go 3-0 to Carlisle and their, man- and their manager to be sacked the next day. 
<laughs> big ball predictions. <laughs> so that's three goals from Callum Guy. <laughs> uh, a penalty, a free kick, and a volley. <laughs> I hope not. But yeah, you know, I hope he does. I hope he does. I hope Brisbane <laughs> You still have to score six more before you have to run around town naked anyway. Yeah, I'm, regretting, I'm regretting that a little bit now. <laughs> I say that. I say that. You say he's about to make his 100th appearance before long. So he has quite literally scored one every 100 matches. So, yeah. <laughs> you keep saying that. Yeah, you keep reinforcing it. You keep reinforcing it. As, 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 did Callum Guy maybe hear your prediction? Is this kind of spurring him on? He's kind of like, he listens to this podcast and he's like, I'm going to get that Liam Denwood. I'm going to make him eat his words. Callum, I'm sorry. <laughs> No, there's fire in the belly now. There's fire in the belly. <laughs> oh, lads, it's been a really nice episode. So you both back. Obviously, we've had a little bit of a break and I need to sort of warn the listeners and, and people that I'm going to be taking another break in the next sort of two weeks. I'm getting married soon. So there will be a break, not next week, but the week after. So there's your, there's your pre-warning for that one. So before we wrap the episode off, gentlemen, it's obviously time for the penultimate feature, on this day, on this day in 1937, Huey Mills became the first Carlisle player to score five goals in one match against Halifax Town. Huey Mills, gentlemen, a name that should go down in history. The first Carlisle player to score five goals in one match. Now, my question to you guys is, have you ever bore witness to a hat-trick at Brunton Park, and if so, tell us all about it. Go on, Liam, buddy. I, I don't think I have, to be honest with you. I've, I've, I've seen one away. I saw one away at Forest Green. It was Nathan Thomas's, but I've never seen one at Brunton Park. I, no. think, I don't think. Not that I can remember, no. Yeah. Wills, you got anything? Must have done. Um, yeah. Did someone, this, I mean, I can't remember any. Did someone score a hat-trick in that 6-0 against Oldham? Oh. Uh, no, no, yeah, it's got two, but no one got more than that. Must have seen a Jabo hat trick or something. I mean, um, I mean, you might remember a time where Carlisle absolutely thrashed an opponent, and it might have been like 7 1 or 7 2. Michael Bridges and Carl Hawley both scored a hat trick in the same game. Wow. You remember that one? No. <laughs> no, no, no. It's, it's, it's pretty much it's pretty much the same time Carl earned his nickname, Carl the Hitman. Holy, really, and yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's the most that's what I can remember. <laughs> yeah. That's what I can remember. Is that what is that what you wanted to say, really? But yeah, can remember. Yeah. I knew yeah. I had a story. I'm I knew laughing. I had a story. <laughs> I've only seen plenty of hat tricks, but it's yeah. just you know, I'd say that they're not so uncommon that they live in the memory for years. I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe not, maybe not, maybe not. But that's the one that lives in the memory for me. I don't know if it's the most recent one that I would have ever saw either. I really don't. I really can't remember. But gentlemen, I mean, you know, this this, this last segment's always a bit of a shot in the dark anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, it's just like, not asking us questions that we've got, like, no... <laughs> no answer for. That's it, that's it. I like to stump you right at the end. Anyways... It doesn't really matter, does it? Because this has been episode 84 and there's nothing else really left to do apart from say, bye for now. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Wikipedia has a list of...
The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.